place to turn in your Bibles would be Ephesians chapter 1. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4. All right, and we are going to continue with what we've been talking about the last number of weeks. If you haven't been here the last number of weeks, you can listen to the sermons, all the sermons on the internet. NCF. Okay.org. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what you've done up to this point. We just thank you for reminding us of your goodness. We thank you for relationship with you that we're able to have because of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we get to partake of an exciting and yet challenging walk with you to see your kingdom advanced in the earth. Lord, that's what we want our lives to be about. Because you said if we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, then all of our needs will be taken care of. So Lord, I thank you that we don't have to worry about our needs, but just be about your kingdom and you'll take care of us. So Lord, we open our hearts to you. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us today. Teach us from your word. And we thank you for grace that will enable us to repent and embrace your word and apply it to our lives. And we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about the last few weeks about developing a culture of honor or a relational environment. Because we believe that only if effective discipleship, which we're all called to, comes out of true, authentic relationship with one another. Because we see that's how Jesus modeled it. When he called his disciples to himself, we saw that he had relationship with them. They stayed together. He modeled what he wanted them to do. And, and out of that relationship, they learned and they eventually did what Jesus did. And so when I talk about a relational environment, a culture of honor, here's what I'm talking about. What does it mean to have a culture of honor? One where people, talking about a, an, um, an environment where people value relationships. Not believe in them, because we all believe in them, right? We believe, oh yeah, relationships. It's important to be in relationships. But where people value relationship. Number two, where people are intentional in seeking and developing close, intimate, and transparent relationships. Developing close, intimate, and transparent relationships. Number three, where people value accountability in relationships. Number four, where people seek to learn to walk in true biblical, biblical love towards one another. Number five, a place where people are valued and can receive and feel valued. Now, as far as people being able to receive value, that has to do with loving yourself. Remember we talked about that a little while ago. Jesus says we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If I don't love myself, if I don't accept myself, then I'm going to have a hard time loving you. And so I have to learn to embrace how God made me. And because, you know, if I don't value myself, I have a hard time with my self-esteem. Then when someone comes and tries to show me value, someone tries to encourage me or, or compliment me or whatever, I'm going to have a hard time receiving that. And so... If God's wanting to speak and impart to me through encouragement from somebody, and I'm, re I'm rejecting that, then I'm rejecting the very word of God for my life. 
And so that is a very important thing. And I was sharing, I, I mentioned a book, and I did buy some more. It's called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. This is an excellent book when it comes to our identity, understanding who we are in Christ. I was telling my son about this book. Um, he goes to the school where uh, this book is one part of the curriculum, and, and he said, oh, Dad, that's my favorite book. It's awesome. And he was going on and on and on and on about it. But uh, I've read it. It is awesome. And I just want to encourage you, I have maybe nine copies, eight copies out there. So uh, grab one. Uh, you can get them for $10 from us. If you get them on Amazon, you might be able to find used ones. I didn't check the price on that, but the new ones are 12 and, and up plus shipping. But you can get it right here for $10. All right? So I want to encourage you. If I gave this book to somebody, who would read it? Okay, Stephanie. You convinced me. There you go. That's from us to you. All right. All right. Ephesians chapter. Oh, yeah. I still have one more point on the relational environment. A place where people are valued and can receive and feel valued. And then where people will do what they can to protect the relationships. Not only value relationships, but we're going to do whatever we can to protect the relationships that we have here with our brothers and sisters. And we're going to talk about that in more detail in a minute. And so we're, we've been talking about. Not only developing a culture of honor, but we've been talking about the hindrances. What will hinder us from seeing this kind of, a, of, an, of an environment developed here at New Covenant Fellowship? And we talked about not spending time with the Lord. It all The number one thing is, is we have to have a relationship with Jesus. We have to spend time with him on a regular basis so he can change me, so he can change you. And then the second one is we have to love ourselves. And then number three... I actually have it number four, but it's number three. It's, um, we'll talk about it in a second. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. Starting with verse one. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you or beseech you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. <clears throat> with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Start with verse two again. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance or long suffering to one another in love and being diligent. To preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Skip down to verse twenty nine. Where it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the edification According to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And continuing to verse five, I mean chapter five, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And, then, and turn over to Philippians chapter two real quick. Everything we talk about today, this right here, these scriptures are the backdrop, are the background. Everything has to come out of this foundation right here that we're talking about, how we love one another, be uh, forbearing towards one another and, and forgiving one another. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
If there is any con- consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in a form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. That's the key. He became obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. So right here, these verses in Philippians chapter 2 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves, and do not merely look after your own interests, but also the interests of others. And then the Ephesians verses, chapter 4, etc., etc. That has to be the foundation, the backdrop. If we're going to pursue relationships with one another, that has to be our manual that we embrace. Because without this, without the forgiveness... Without the forbearing one another, without the tolerance and the love and the understanding and all that kind of stuff, it's not going to work. Would you agree? It's not going to work. So he's given us the formula. He's given us instruction. This is how we have to walk with one another if we want to see a relational environment in this church. And I believe we all want that. So basically, the, the hindrance that I want to talk about today is not being intentional about dealing with conflict correctly. Because I can promise you this. When you decide to move together with someone in relationship, there will be conflict. Except for marriage. There's no marriage. There's no conflict in marriage. But every other relationship, every other relationship, there's going to be conflict. Now, those of you who are single, I just lied to you, okay? Sorry. <laughs> you said I wasn't going to have... Sorry about that. All right. But there will be conflict in relationship. That's a guarantee. There will be. And so what happens, though, is we, act, we become surprised. You know, we're walking in a relationship with somebody, and all of a sudden something happens. Like, whoa, where did that come from? And then we, we quit walking in a relationship with them. Surprised that the conflict was going was gonna to go, come. And we need to know that conflict will come. So what are we going to do when it does come? And what am I defining as conflict? Let's see. Come up here, Morgan, for a second. <laughs> oh, I would have got him out of the back, too. Now... Let's throw it over here. Come over here. Oh, this is Morgan, by the way. This is my brother. This is Morgan. Now, now, we're walking together in relationship. Walk with me, okay? Yeah. We're walking together in relationship. Now, the conflict I'm talking about is anything... You keep walking. Anything that's going to tempt me or... Tempt me or cause me to stop walking with him. Okay? Anything... Or keep walking. <laughs> Oh, you can have a seat. Thanks. So when something happens or is said that causes or tempts you to stop walking with the person, that's what I mean by conflict. 
We're not talking about necessarily any major things, but just something that that happens between you and that person or people that causes you to stop. And that's what we're going to talk about. Now, there are two different types of conflict that we're going to address. The first one is an irritation like him. I mean, um, the first one is an irritation when when somebody irritates you, something that the person does that's not sin necessarily it just bothers or irritates you. It can be an opinion, a belief, a preference, a personality, an idiosyncrasy, something the way they are. You know, maybe they flip boogers on people. You know, just something. <laughs> That'd be pretty offensive, wouldn't it? <laughs> something that they do that just rubs you the wrong way. Okay? And so when that happens, what are you going to do about it? Because it happens. Unless you're in marriage. Remember, we're talking about outside of marriage because there's no conflict in marriage. Now, you either have to deal with that issue in your heart personally and get over it. You have to deal with that. See, not everything that someone does that you don't like, you need to confront them on. All right? We're not talking about a free-for-all for confrontation. Oh, I saw he did that. I don't like that color of shirt you're wearing, dude. You need to change the color of shirt. We're not talking about just all kinds of stuff. If something happens, if they say something, there's something about them that, you just, that irritates you, you either need to deal with it in your heart and just get over it. Remember, we talked about we value relationship. And if I can't get over myself, I'm going to have a hard time in relationship because then it's going to be all about me. And if it's all about me, then there's not going to be too many people who are going to be willing to walk in relationship with me. Right. And so if uh, Morgan just has something that just bugs me, if I value our relationship, then I just need to get over it. Need to get over it. <clears throat> or I may talk to him. I mean, it, it could be something. Say, you know, you do this. It just kind of bothers me. And he's like, he could say, you just have to get over it. That I may need to get over it. Or it may be something simple that, that um, he says, oh, okay. Yeah, that's no problem. I can change that. Or either I get over or I talk to that person about the issue. You know, because it could be a blind spot they have. They may not realize they're doing something. Everybody else sees, and that's what a blind spot is. A blind spot is something you don't recognize or see that, or notice that you're doing, but everybody else sees it. You know, like when you've had pizza and you have a piece of cheese hanging on your chin? That's a blind spot. Only a true friend will tell you, hey, dude, you got some cheese hanging off your chin. Everybody else is just there and stares at it. Right. Dude, I hope they fix that really fast. really bothering me. You know, a real friend. Or, you know, I remember one time, and this was embarrassing, and I can't remember who was with me. Try to think. Anyway, I was in the mall. We walked in the mall all day long. And at the end of the day, I realized that my pants were unzipped. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then your mind starts racing. You're thinking, who saw me? And, you know, you're going through all that kind of stuff. But nobody told me that, hey, man, you need to take care of that. And so sometimes we need to, if we value the relationship with that person, we need to say, hey, bro. You might want to take care of this. You might want to stop doing this. Or this is kind of offensive. People are not appreciating this. But unfortunately, we don't do that often enough. So, and again, we don't want to be petty and confront everything. But we need to. So if it's something that's bothering me that, that Morgan's doing, I need to either get over it so I can continue to walk with him or I may talk to him about it. And we deal with it so we can continue to walk together because we value relationships. But what typically happens is that I may go to someone else and gripe and complain and gossip about that person. 
and go to everybody else and talk about the cheese on this guy's chin. And I tell him. I know you've never done that, but haven't you ever seen somebody else do that? Instead of talking to the person, instead of going to them and talking to them, we go to other people and talk about him or her. And if we value relationship and we want to see a relational environment established in this church, that cannot be the way we operate. That is one way to destroy unity, destroy fellowship, destroy love in a heartbeat, is to gossip and go behind the person's back and not talk to them. Or either I'll talk about the person, I'll talk about Morgan, or I'll just leave the relationship and move on, chunk them like a bad habit. Say, I don't like him. I didn't know he was going to be that way, so I just leave him and I move and go on to somebody else. He's like, hey, whatever happened? Hey, said you want to get together? No, I'm busy. It's like, what happened? He never knew what happened because I never told him. I just dropped him and backed off. And that happens way too often. And if we want to allow the Lord to develop what he wants in this place, we cannot operate that way. I believe the only time it's okay to gripe, complain, or dump on someone else about that particular person. So if I go to Todd, I'm saying, man, Todd, Morgan is getting on my nerves. He just got on the last one yesterday. The only time I believe it's okay for me to go to Todd or someone and share with him is if my intent is to get help, to find a solution to help me in my relationship with Morgan. Because sometimes we need, to, we need to vent, we need to dump, we need to, we need to get things off our chest. But it has to be with the intent of seeing that relationship developed, not tearing that person down. Amen. You with me? So how can you tell if that's your intention? Well, I'm, I'm gossiping because my intention is to help that person. Well, how do you know if, if your intention is, is for the betterment of that relationship? Well, if I go to a person that I know just agrees with me, and they're going to gossip along with me, and they're going to tear that person down too, then, then I know that's not my intent. My intent is not honorable. My tent is an excuse to gossip and talk bad about this person. But if I go to a person who's mature and I know that when I talk to them, they're going to give me biblical counsel. They're going to give me godly instruction in what I need to do to move towards that person. If that's the kind of person I'm going to, then I know my intentions are right. Amen. Are you with me still? Am I speaking clearly? All right. Does the person you go to agree with you and rag on the person? Or does that person encourage you biblically and encourage you to do what's right? And that's what we need. Because there's going to be conflict. We all know that. We all know this. I'm not sharing any new revelation. My goal is to share encouragement so that we can handle things the right way. Because unfortunately, we mostly handle it the wrong way. We typically handle because conflict is not fun. It's very uncomfortable. It's uneasy. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's all those words. The easy thing is to avoid. That's the easy thing. But if I call myself and I consider myself a follower of Jesus, he didn't call me to the easy life. He's the one that says that I'm to love you as he loves me. And you know what? When he and I have conflict, he doesn't avoid me. 
He didn't say, he didn't say Father, I don't know how to deal with this. This is uncomfortable. I don't know how to talk to CJ about that problem. He's never had that problem. When he wants to talk to him about something, he deals with it. And he expects us but out of love. When the Lord deals with me, it's out of love, but he deals with me. And he says, I'm supposed to love people the same way he loves me. You know, in the Bible, in Ephesians, it says to speak the truth in love. So when I'm sharing truth with somebody, if I'm confronting, I'm sharing truth. The goal of love is to bring reconciliation, to restore, to build that person up. It's not to tear them down and show them how right you are and how wrong they are. That's not sharing the truth in love. And just think, if this one issue right here that we're talking about, if we did this one area right, I promise you there'd be revival in this church. Because Jesus said that the world will know that we're his disciples by the love we have for one another. And how I, what I believe that means is when people see authentic, genuine love, the love of God flowing in a place, they want that. They're saying, hey, I want some of that. That's where I'm going. And this is what it means in the flesh. This is how we flesh it out. Confronting one another, dealing with each other in love. That's how we love Christ. I mean, excuse me, how we love each other like Jesus loves us. So we have to get this right. We have to get this right. The other kind of conflict, so the first thing is just kind of an irritation or something. It's not necessarily sin, but it's something that bothers you or, or whatever. That's the first thing we have to deal with. The second thing is the type of conflict when the person sins against you or others, when the person actually does sin against you. In Matthew chapter 18, it says, moreover, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, drop him like a bad habit and go on to someone else. Think that's what it says? Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So right here, and this is in uh, red. When you're reading your Bible, if you have Jesus' words in red, this is in red. So this is Jesus talking. And he's saying, when your brother sins against you, go to him and share that. Deal with that with him and you alone. And then it says if that person's if they repent, then you warn your brother. If they don't listen, then it says you can take someone with you. Take someone with you to that person to get it reconciled. If they still don't listen, then you take it to the church. That means you need to take it to, you know, you're moving up the ladder of authority. If they still don't listen, then you treat them as an unbeliever. In other words, if a person is so resistant to correction and, and loving confrontation and that kind of thing, then there comes a point when they can't, they're not welcome here. And that's what Jesus' words say. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 18. But right here, but look at the intent though. The intent is for reconciliation, for relationship. And if a person is either of two Two things, they, they sinned, but they, you know, they really do want to get it worked out, but they just don't know how. So the Bible is telling us how to move towards that person to get things worked out. And typically, when you have two good-willed people, it typically gets resolved. Not always. But then if not, it's not like you give up on them. You take somebody else and you try to get it worked out. And you keep, keep moving on with that. 
In Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, it says, Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So right here he's talking about long-suffering. The person keeps messing up. They keep doing something stupid. They keep sinning against you. Jesus is showing the kind of love we're supposed to have towards that person. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Now it says if he repents... So in other words, they're sincere in their repentance, but they keep keep still messing up. And here's another one, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, if there's something between you and a person, and maybe it's your fault, or maybe it's not clear whose fault it is, but you know that there's something against you and this other person, that they're upset with you or mad at you. Jesus places such value on the relationships between each other that he says, before you go to God and give your stuff to him, before you worship him, before you spend time with him, before you offer your gifts to him, you need to go get it worked out with that person first. He says, then come and have your wonderful quiet time or your wonderful worship service, offering things to God. So he places a premium on relationship. So what are we going to do? I just want you to think for a second what we're talking about. You're probably um, thinking of circumstances or situations in your personal life as we're talking about this. Maybe reminding you of some circumstances and situations. How are you, how have you been handling this situation, these issues? A lot of times we won't go to a person that sinned because we say they're not going to change. They're not going to listen to me anyway. I know them. They're not going to listen. And when you have that kind of attitude and you say that, whether it's in your mind or you actually verbally say that, you've pronounced judgment on that person. When you say they will not change, that's a judgment. And you've locked them into that place as far as you're concerned. And the Bible is clear on us judging people. Now, the Bible, a lot of times we think that, well, I can't go and talk to that person about their sin because the Bible says not to judge. Confronting about sin is not judging. And I think we get those mixed up. So we we hide behind that phrase or or the scripture saying, well, I can't go talk to that person. I'm not their judge. That's God's. That's God's um, deal. Remember the scriptures we just read. If your brother sins against you, go to him. Try to get it worked out. But would you say this is challenging, this is difficult? You know these scriptures. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. 
gave himself an offering. Or Philippians. Do not merely look after your own interests, but also the interests of others. What are you doing with these verses? What am I doing with these verses? You know, I was just thinking there's a way that you can not obey those verses and still walk in the integrity of this Bible. Where it says, um, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved you. How can I ignore that command and still walk in the integrity of this word right here? It's possible. You know how? Now I can walk in the integrity of this book right here. Because it's not in there anymore. There's another passage over here. Don't like that one either. But I'm a doer of the word. Not all the word, because some of it's on the floor. But I'm a doer of this word. And this is how we walk our Christian walk a lot. Is we hold on to the scriptures that we agree with, we like, we're able to do, but the ones that hit us right between the face and instead of us bending and bowing down to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we ignore what he says. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, what we're talking about today is not an option. It's not an option. That's why it's so important for us to spend time with him, get in his presence, because as much as God wants us to know How much he loves us, he cares for us, and he did so much for us to be able to relate to him, to walk with him, to walk in his goodness. As much as he reminds us of that, and we sing about the the songs of the love of God, how he lavishes his love on us. And he wants us to understand that. Even though he reminds us of that, it's still all about Jesus. He's the Lord. He's the King. He's the one that we're honoring, we're following, we're obeying. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That was my paraphrase. So this thing about relationships, it's not optional. Or as people would say, non-optional. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. And that's what a disciple is, someone who's following him, doing what he says to do, allowing him to change you. And that's why relationships are so important, because when we get in a relationship, all of a sudden I'm confronted with something I don't like. And then I have to make a choice. Is this going to be about me or is it going to be about him? And how do I know it's about him? If I love this person the way he wants me to. That's how I make it about him. Do you realize your marriage really isn't about you and your spouse? 
It's about Jesus. It's about honoring, obeying him through your marriage. The reason why I love Lisa so much, the Bible says that I'm to love her as Christ loves the church. It's more about him than it is her. I love her, and when I find that I'm, I'm not doing it right or I'm short, the fear of God moves me and motivates me, the love of God, to love her because it's about him. It's about honoring him. And so when I realize I'm not doing something right, it's not that I'm afraid of her. I fear him. Not afraid of him. I fear him. I honor him. I respect him because I love him so much. I want to honor him through my marriage. And so she gets kind of the, the residual of it. She gets the overflow of my love for God. Because he says, son, I want you to love your wife like I love you. I say, okay, daddy. And then I love her. Train up, the kid, train up my kids in the way that I should. Uh, way that I should. Yeah, that. Yeah, you guys know what I mean. I just butchered that scripture. But when it comes to loving and training up and nourishing, nurturing my children, the Bible gives us instruction on that. It's about Him. And they get the, the residual. So how we love one another, how we walk in relationships with each, with each other, reflects your relationship with God. If you can take or, take or leave people, if you can, you know, be walking with them one minute and then say, no thanks, never mind, we'll go find somebody else. Hey, Morgan, how's it going? Never mind, I don't like your shirt. <laughs> and I kind of deal with people that, or treat people that way, then that shows, that reflects my relationship with God. Let's stand together, please. You'd close your eyes for a second. And just allow the Holy Spirit to engage you right now. And just become sensitive to what He's trying to speak to you. And just right now in, in, in this quietness with, between you and Him. Just let him direct you as to what he wants you to do next. I believe when the Holy Spirit speaks, he gives you practical application. So Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Speak to me right now. What do I need to do today? You are so good. Man, you are so good. Even when things aren't going my way, you are still good. Father, we thank you for what you are doing in this congregation, what you are doing in our lives individually, our families, and corporately. And Father, we cooperate and we embrace what you're continuing to do here so we can see your kingdom manifest in wonderful ways. We want you to be glorified, Jesus. We want men and women and children to run to you and bow their knee. 
And Jesus, because you are not here physically, you left us as your representatives, the church, your bride, to reflect your goodness, your love to people. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if this is in your heart, I just want to encourage you to agree with me in this prayer. Father, I repent of the way that I've treated my relationships. I repent of my lack of love, my neglect, my responsibility to love, to confront, to forgive, to move closer to instead of avoid. I repent and turn away from my way of doing things and I turn to you, Father. And I submit to you. I submit to your word. Thank you for grace that will enable me to walk it out. And we honor you. We love you. And Jesus, we position ourselves in such a way as to continue to listen to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.